Sensible Chat, the podcast committed to helping you learn positive money mindsets, destroy debt, reduce financial stress, and break the paycheck-to-paycheck cycle. Today, we're chatting with Ashley Patrick, founder of BudgetsMadeEasy.com and host of the Money Mindset Podcast. Ashley paid off $45,000 in debt in 17 months. She's going to share how changing her mindset helped her do it and how you can do it too. But first... Sensible Bobby discusses how budgeting can help you through unforeseen financial emergencies like many are facing now because of the coronavirus. So right now, let's get to her. The fiscal fiduciary helping you budget your bottom line. Here is Sensible Bobby. Thanks, Scott. Fear. How much of it is in the air right now, literally and figuratively? A lot. Thousands have been affected by job cuts and losses, scarce supplies and uncertainty. There are some that are lucky enough to still have their jobs, but for those who don't, this probably came as a huge shock. If this doesn't open our eyes, what will? We have to control our money, because if we don't, it will control us. We're experiencing it right now. What decisions are you making based solely on the fear of not being able to make ends meet versus what's right for you and your family or what would give you the most comfort during this difficult time? Something to think about going forward, but let's put that aside for now and deal with what is. We're mired in a national emergency, and it's causing a lot of stress. So let's see if we can alleviate at least a bit of it. The first thing to do is take a deep breath and find your calm. If you're panicking, you can't think straight, and you'll make bad decisions or no decisions. That can have a detrimental impact on you and your family today and in the long run. So take the time to really steady yourself. Control the fear. Don't let it control you. Use that fear as your motivator to make the best decisions about how to weather this storm and take it one step at a time. This is when having a list of priorities comes in really handy. If you don't already have one, make it now. I'm going to outline the basics for those of you who are really feeling the pinch. Let's start with the four walls to borrow a Dave Ramsey phrase. Now, before we break this down, you need to know how much cash you have available right now. That means how much is in your bank account minus any transactions that are pending. Forget about the bills you owe for the moment. Forget about the money the government may or may not provide. Just focus on the amount you have in your bank account right now minus pending transactions because that's just part of the math. You can't reverse those transactions. Write that total amount down on a piece of paper. Now let's break down the four walls starting with food. If you're concerned that you don't have enough or won't be able to get more when you need it, start planning now. What do you have right now in your refrigerator and pantry, and how long can you make it last? Seriously, go shopping in your home right now. Create a meal plan based on what you find. Use it all. If you have some weird ingredients and aren't sure what to do with them, jump online. I'm sure you'll find some great ideas. When you're done, figure out how long you can feed your family on what you have. What are you missing that's essential or would help you get by for a certain time frame? Let's take two weeks to start. 
How much money would it cost you to get the essentials, just the essentials you need now? Do you have enough money in your bank account to cover those essentials? If you do, write that amount down on the same piece of paper under your bank account total and mark it food. If you don't have enough to buy the food you need, get creative about how you can get it. Is there something you have that you could trade with a neighbor for what you need? Are there food pantries you can visit, a friend or family member that can help you out, a service you can provide to a friend, family member, or neighbor in exchange for enough money to buy what you need? 211.org has links to food pantries, soup kitchens, home-delivered meals, even places offering free pet food. And there are many other organizations out there providing help right now. Do a quick internet search and you'll be amazed at what you'll find. Let's move on to the next wall, which is utilities. Do you have enough money left after paying for food to pay your upcoming utility bills? If you do, write down the amount you'll owe under your total dollar amount for food and market utilities. If you don't, try 211.org or do another internet search to find resources. They are out there. And especially right now, I'm hearing and reading a lot about many companies who are working with customers who can't pay their utility bills. But here's the important part. Do something. If you just decide not to pay your bill, there's going to be trouble. Don't wait until the electricity gets turned off. Now, I know there's a lot of talk right now about regulations to make it so that won't happen across the board. Maybe that's the case. Maybe it's not. But in the end, I promise you, you're going to be better off if you communicate with your utility companies rather than taking your chances. Remain in control or you end up at someone else's mercy. Wall number three is shelter. You've got to keep a roof over your family's head. Now that you've put aside money for food and utilities, do you have enough in your bank account right now to make your next rent or mortgage payment? If so, write that amount down right under the utility payment amount on your four walls paper and mark it rent or mortgage. If not, call your landlord or mortgage lender now and make arrangements to skip the payment or pay part of it now and part of it later. Again, right now, you're going to find lots of help out there. A lot of companies are working with people to get through this emergency with as little disruption as possible, but you've got to communicate. I know there are regulations in place, at least in some states right now, that evictions aren't even going to be possible because of our situation today. But this does not mean you should sit back and do nothing. There may be loopholes, these regulations might not be in place where you live, and mostly when it's over, you're still going to have to face the music. If you communicate now and put a plan in place, you're going to be much better off than if you do nothing and leave your fate to someone else. Doing nothing could lead to eviction or destroyed credit later on, if not right away. We're in this together, but everyone has to do their part. There's a lot of help available, so reach out for it and keep yourself in the driver's seat. Now, the fourth wall is transportation, but since none of us can really go anywhere at this point anyway, we're going to skip over that one. Now, if you've managed to cover the three walls that are vital right now and still have money left in your bank account, earmark it for what comes next. We don't know how long this pandemic will last, so the further you can stretch your money, the better. Put it aside for the next time you'll need to cover those four walls. 
Just in case you haven't heard, the IRS pushed back the dates for tax filing and payments to July 15th. This means that if you can't file your taxes or can't pay what you owe by April 15th, you won't incur any late fees or penalties. You have until July 15th. But it doesn't mean that you can't file your taxes right now. And if you're expecting a refund and need the money, what are you waiting for? But when the refund comes, be smart about how you spend it. Same thing goes for the government check that's probably on the way. We don't know how long this pandemic is going to last, so this is a great time to build up your emergency fund. Even if you don't end up needing it to sustain you through this emergency, you'll have it for the next one. Now, I'm certainly not suggesting that we'll see another national emergency anytime soon, but personal emergencies are always waiting in the wings. Whether it's a layoff, medical emergency, or something else unforeseen, the emergency we're experiencing right now is a huge reminder that we never know what tomorrow will bring, but we need to be prepared for it. Now, if you've got credit card bills, car payments, or student loans you can't pay, help is available for all of those as well. But again, communicate with your creditors, regardless of what programs you've heard are in place right now. You need to discuss your options with the actual companies who hold your debt to make sure you're all on the same page. Otherwise, you could face serious consequences later on, consequences that could have been easily avoided just by communicating. If you're in serious financial difficulty right now, put your debts, all of them except your mortgage, after the three walls we talked about, food, utilities, and shelter. Of course, paying all your bills is ideal, and bankruptcy is not an option I wish on anyone. But if you have to choose between your credit card payment and food, food has to come first. Just communicate if you can't pay so you can work with your creditors to make things as easy as possible. If you need help budgeting your money for today, tomorrow, or beyond, reach out to me. If you haven't established a budget yet, this is the best time to get started. Because there's so much need for this right now, I'm offering my budget coaching services for free for as many of you as I can. So if you need help, don't hesitate to reach out. Visit the contact page at sensiblechat.com for all the ways to get in touch with me, and let's work together to relieve some of your financial stress. Let's change gears right now and talk about what to do when this emergency passes and things get back to normal. If you have debt, I'm sure it's adding to your stress right now. So when you're back on solid footing, it'll be the perfect time to start attacking that debt with a vengeance. And our guest has some great tips on how to do just that. Welcome back, class. Sensible University is now in session. Today's guest professor is Ashley Patrick, founder of BudgetsMadeEasy.com and host of the Money Mindset podcast. Ashley is a Ramsey Solutions master financial coach and has been featured on Fox Business, Yahoo Business, Yahoo Finance, USA Today, MSN, CNBC, NerdWallet, and many more. She's also paid off $45,000 in debt in 17 months. Ashley, thanks so much for being our guest professor today. Thanks for having me. You paid off $45,000 in 17 months. What made you decide to attack your debt? Oh my goodness. It's kind of a long story, so I'll try and make it short. But really what 
caused us to really attack it was my husband losing his job. We never really liked debt. Like I grew up poor. I didn't want to be in that situation again. So I just was kind of a natural saver. And then when I took out debt, you know, we always paid it off early. And at the time, even though it was $45,000, it wasn't that many things. Like I didn't have a bunch of credit cards. I had student loans, one vehicle. We had already paid off the other vehicles and then one credit card. But really what started it was that one credit card. So my husband had lost his job and we had a 401k loan at the time to remodel our house because we had just bought a new house and the layout did not work for a family. Like it was really weird. So we had to add on and connect an in-law suite to the rest of the house so that it would function for us. Well, we took out a 401k loan to do that. And then shortly after we finished construction, my husband lost his job. And so we had already spent the money and could not pay it back. It was like $20,000 at that point. And, you know, it was already gone and my husband lost his job. So what are we, how are we going to pay back $20,000? And like, yeah, I think it was like 60 days. Usually it's 60 or 90 days, but it depends on your employer. But ours was, um, I believe it was 60. And so the next year when we did our taxes, it counted as income. And so it just really hit us. We owed a bunch of money to the IRS. And so that's what we put on that credit card was 0% for 18 months. And then the next month when I got the credit card bill, I was like, oh crap, how am I going to pay this off in in 18 months? Like, you know, I don't know what I was thinking. I thought that for some reason, and I have no idea why, because I don't know how this got in my head, but I was thinking, okay, I have 18 months. I'll just pay it later. Like I wasn't thinking about the monthly payment that went along with that. I was like, oh crap. I got to pay this thing every month. Like, how am I going to do that? So that was the turning point. So I was like, how am I going to pay this off? It was like 6,000 or 6,500, somewhere in that range. You know, I didn't know I was going to be talking about it so much. (laughs) I would have, you know, really paid attention to the numbers. I think it was like $6,000, which is how I got the 45,000. So I was like, how am I going to pay this off? And so I went looking for debt payoff plans and found the debt snowball and Dave Ramsey. And so that is really what changed our life. And we just started working the plan. So I didn't know how I was going to pay off that $6,000 in 18 months, but I paid off 45,000 in 17. So it changed our life. Wow. (laughs) Now you said that you listened to a lot of debt payoff stories when you were working towards getting out of debt. What's the one thing that they all had in common that kept you going? that they were able to do it. So it really just inspired me and gave me hope. And it was like, if they can do it, then I can do it. And you know, when you look at all these debt payoff stories, because I share a lot on my website as well, is, you know, it's all different incomes. I think I've had one maybe that was like a doctor, you know, and they made good money, but they also had doctor debt. And so it's all relative. And so even if you have a low income or a high income, you still have to manage your money and you still have to be willing to put in the time and the effort to do it. Like anybody can make doctor income and just spend like a doctor and have tons of debt. Like it takes intention to really pay off your debt and be intentional with your money. And so that was really what motivated me was just, okay, they can do it. I can do it. And it just really helped me keep going. Like I would read them almost every night. (laughs) And you know, Dave Ramsey has some on his website. And so I would just, I think I, there's like 
I don't know, thousands maybe. And I, over the course of that 17 months, I read every single one. And it's like, and then I ran out of <laughs> stories and just reread them. And it's like, if they can do it, then I can do it. I'm glad to hear that you felt that way because for me, and I've heard from other people that it's kind of a different perspective sometimes because they hear all these stories about, you know, this person paid off all this money in this amount of time. And I just have not found a way to be able to do it. And so it's like defeating for them. You know, instead of focusing on their own plan, they focus on what everybody else was able to do that they couldn't. But yeah, I think you're right. They forget that it is relative. I mean, a doctor making all this money, but they have a massive amount more debt. And also it's what you're willing to do, right? I mean, if you paid that much off in 17 months, then you probably went gazelle like Dave Ramsey says, right? Oh, yes. Yes, I did. I jump all into things. You know, that's just what I do. And so, you know, I'll get a a new idea and I just go all in. Now, I will say that I didn't do like every single thing right away. Like I did a few steps here and there, but like, you know, the big mindset shift, I totally was all in. And then, you know, I redid my budget. That was the first thing. So, you know, we would pay all our bills and I would automatically put money in savings because, you know, people always say pay yourself first. So, you know, I was doing that and I paid all our bills and then we would just spend what was left. Like we weren't intentional with what was left. And, you know, I did pay extra on our loans and stuff, but not, you know, it wasn't enough to really like do it this fast, obviously, which is why we didn't have a lot of debt because I did pay things off early, but, you know, I could have done it so much faster, obviously. But, you know, we just did little things here and there. Like I didn't shut off my retirement contributions right away. I didn't use cash envelopes right away. You know, we didn't work a ton of overtime or sell things right away. It wasn't until we were about halfway done and it was like, okay, how much faster can we do it that we really picked up momentum and started, you know, we shut off retirement contributions for a little bit, but not completely because I was a police officer at the time. So I had mandatory pension and my employer put money in my 401k automatically. So we weren't like completely not investing, but we did cut back. And oh my goodness, we just went intense once we got to like my student loans, which was about halfway through. And then we just really gained momentum. But that first part was really just taking the baby steps in the right direction to get to where we wanted to go. And we made a lot of progress. But you know, once we realized, okay, we can do this, but we can also do it a lot faster. How much faster can we do it? That we really started like picking up pace and doing things so much faster. So what was the biggest adjustment that you had to make in order to pay off the debt that quickly? Oh my goodness. It was um, cutting back eating out and our food budget. There it is. Oh my goodness. We were spending like $1,200 a month between we were eating out for like breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And I was still spending like hundreds of dollars at the grocery store, which at the time we had a toddler and a newborn. So it wasn't like we were feeding a bunch of kids. (laughs) You know, there was no excuse uh, besides we were just being lazy. And, and, you know, to a certain extent, lunch for my husband and I, both of us, it was a social time. So we cut that out initially, but we eventually put it back in to the budget, just not as much, not like every single day. We would go out like two, three times a week because we just needed to get out of the office and get some sunshine and things like that. And we both have stressful jobs. So, you know, that was something that we were willing to pay for. You know, you don't have to like not buy a single thing the whole time you're doing it. You know, you need to still enjoy your life a little bit. 
Yeah, it's all about your priorities and what's important mm-hmm. to you. So did you find that because that I mean, that's the biggest thing for most people is we've talked about the eating out. And I know for us and for a lot of other people, it can be a source of entertainment. So did mm-hmm. you guys discover other ways? Did you have to dig in and find other ways to replace entertainment that costs money with other things? We just stayed at home a lot. I mean, we still said yes to things like, but we just planned for it in the budget. Um, You know, we still went and had fun with friends, but we did say no to certain things. Like there was a trip for a friend of mine that he um, wanted all of us to go on to Vegas. And we just said no, like we couldn't do it. So we would stay at home and have date night at home and cook and watch movies and things like that. But we're not the type to go out and party like every weekend anyway. So when we would do things with friends, it was usually at somebody's house or something like that. So we just cut out eating out, like mostly fast food and things like that, you know, convenience. And then for the other things, we just planned for it and paid cash for it and decided that, you know, we still want to enjoy our life a little bit and that this is something that we want to do. And that in the grand scheme of things, saying yes to some of those things really didn't slow us down. Yeah. We did the same thing. We had to say no to certain things when we were getting out of debt because we were on a budget. But I always found that it felt better when we could say yes because the money was actually there. I mean, I remember the question, can we afford this, was always so stressful for me when we didn't have a budget because I didn't honestly know, but I wanted to do what I wanted to do. So Mm -hmm. I would just do it. But I I couldn't even really enjoy what I was doing because I was stressed out about whether I could afford it or not. Oh, absolutely. And so just knowing that you've already paid for it, you just get to relax and have fun. And, you know, after we paid off the debt, we saved up and we went to Disney and it was awesome. Like everything was paid for before we went Uh and we just got to enjoy it. What a great feeling. Exactly. Like it was so much fun and you don't have the stress when you come home of, oh my gosh, now I got the credit card bills. How am I going to pay for this? It was already paid. Right. We just got to go and have fun. The best way to do it. Yes. (laughs) So I have a feeling that you've already answered this, but what was the first, you know, when we look at our financial picture for the first time, because that's the first step in budgeting, you have to figure out where you're at today in order to figure out where you're going. And most of us are surprised when we learn where our money is actually going. What was your biggest surprise? Well, it was definitely food, which I've already talked about. But another thing that surprised me was the debt total. Like I had never totaled it up. And, you know, we only had the three things. Like, how did we have that much debt? You know, we had good credit scores. Like we thought we were doing pretty well. We had money in savings. You know, we had a lot of things that we had already paid for that we own. And it was still $45,000. It's like, how is it that much? Like the grand total really surprised me. Yeah. And a big chunk of your debt was from student loans. And I was blown away when I heard you talking about how long you had been paying on your student loans and how much you still owed. Tell me about that. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So um, whenever I got to pay off the student loans, the balance was still 25000 But I had taken out for this loan was 28000 <laughs> And I had been paying on it for like 10 years. Ugh. like, And I had only paid off $3,000. Like it just was so aggravating. And so what? whenever we got to that, the one way that I stayed motivated with paying this off so fast was calculating how much I paid every single day, just an in interest. And at that point, it was almost $5 a day. And I know other people have more debt. And you know, I did have some debt that was a Perkins loan. And so that was forgiven. Since I was in law enforcement, I never had to pay on that. But this amount was 28000 
and I had only paid off $3,000 in almost 10 years. Wow. That's just so crazy. So now when you took out the loans, did you know what you were signing up for or when did you actually learn how much you owed, how interest accrues and what it actually meant these loans that you had taken out? Not really. Like they just give you the paperwork. I sign it. I'm sure they probably explain something to me, but you know, and they give you all this paperwork, but I mean, like as an 18 year old college student, I had no idea. Like I didn't have a clue. And what I thought was, I didn't have any idea what the payments would be. I didn't have any idea what the grand total would be, you know, because when they do it, they do it like per semester. So I'm like, okay, well, I'm taking this much per semester. Like, you know, I could have added it up for four years or whatever, but yeah, I didn't really grasp it. It's still confusing. And, you know, I am not a student loan expert. I mean, there's unsubsidized and subsidized. And, you know, I had some forbearances and then deferments. And I still don't even know what all I even paid, (laughs) (laughs) like what I had and, you know, all this stuff. And so whenever I graduated, I just thought the thing to do was to consolidate them. So that's what I did. And I had a high interest rate. And I'm sure that if I hadn't have done that, I would have paid it off faster because shortly after, you know, the Great Recession hit and like my husband's student loans, which we paid off really fast, his interest rate dropped so low on his. We didn't consolidate them. And so it was down to like 1%. And we got those suckers paid off really fast because we just kept making the same payment. So had I really understood that I didn't need to do that, I probably would have got it paid off faster, but I just thought that's what you were supposed to do. Like you were just supposed to consolidate them and then pay on them for 30 years. Like I didn't even, like it didn't even cross my mind. I just thought that's what you did. Yeah. You know, it's amazing to me that, you know, all the hoops that you have to jump through for like a business to get a loan or even to get a loan for a mortgage, all these hoops you have to jump through. And yet they're willing to sign over, you know, $250,000 to kids at the age of 18 with no credit score, no understanding of what Mm -hmm. they're doing or anything. So it just makes me sick. So I wonder from you, if you could go back and do it again or tell somebody else that's in the position now, what do they need to know about student loans or what can they do to educate themselves before they make the decision? Well, I think that they really need to understand the market and the job that they are going into. A lot of jobs do not need a degree. You do not need a degree just to have one. And you really need to think about, would you be better off with a skill? You know, a skilled labor right now, because everybody has a college degree, is in high demand and paying a lot better. So it really depends on the job that you want to do. Like, do not go and just do it because you think that's what you're supposed to do. You need to really think about what is going to bring you joy in life. Do you want to sit in an office? Do you like numbers and accounting and things like that? Or would you rather have an outside job where you're working physical labor? Like a lot of people enjoy that and that's what they want to do. So not everybody needs to work in an office. And even office jobs don't always pay that much. So, you know, is $60,000 in debt for, you know, some kind of general liberal arts degree really going to do anything for you? Yeah. Um, you know, so I really try and get people to think about 
the job market and if they really need the degree to get the job that they want to do and are there alternatives you know can you live at home and commute for a while and save some money or are there scholarships and grants that you can try and get and things like that because you could make it like your kids high school part-time job is filling out scholarship applications like even if it's only $100 $200 it adds up and so if they're not going to work like a real job that can be their job and they fill out so many applications every single week, like their junior, their senior year. And that is their mission is to save as much money as they can for college. But yeah, just really look at the job market. And if you really need that degree and if it's worth it to you, you know, I just see people with like hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt for just some crazy degree that they're never going to make that much money. And like, it makes no sense to me whatsoever. So that's like the biggest thing I try and stress to people. So what is your degree in? See, my degree is in psychology, which is, you know, another general degree, like, what are you going to do with it? But my intention was to become a counselor, which now I know they don't really make that much money. (laughs) But once I was getting ready to graduate, I decided I am sick of school. I don't want to go to grad school because you have to go to grad school, which is even more debt. So, I mean, if I would have followed that path, oh my gosh, I would have had even more debt, probably another 30,000 at least in debt. And than making, you know, maybe 30,000, 40,000 a year, especially getting started in that kind of field. And what I ended up doing was law enforcement, which I didn't need a degree for. So I kind of used my degree, but not really. (laughs) So, and you know, and I ask people, I love asking people if they use their degree and most people do not. So that's just something to think about. You're taking on a huge commitment at such a young age and you're probably not even going to end up doing what you think you're going to do. Yeah, that was why I asked you what your degree was in, because, yeah, there are so many people who get that degree and don't even end up using it. And I think especially at that age, because when you're in your early 20s, most of us are completely different people when we're in our Mm -hmm. 30s and we want different things out of life. So Exactly. And you never know where life's going to take you. And that much debt really limits your options. Like, you know, what if you get a job offer that you want to move across the country? Like, can you afford to do it with that much debt and things like that? You know, it's just it really limits your options. So it's something that people really need to think about and consider before they jump into that much debt. So you got your degree and then you ended up on the police force. And I think if I remember correctly, you were a detective. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Yes, I was. So how did you go from being a detective to being a financial coach? Well, you know, I started paying off the debt and I was just so excited about it, you know, and I would get comments of stop acting like you're destitute. And what if you die tomorrow? And all those kinds of things like people like, why are you doing this? But once I was done and people saw that I could do it and it was possible, they were like, oh, well, how can I do it too? And I was getting the same questions over and over. And so I decided to start a blog. I'm like, well, the easiest way for me to help the most amount of people and answer these same questions that I get all the time. And so that's what I did. I jumped into a blog. And so it started more along the lines of, you know, website and sharing information that way into the coaching aspect of it. Cause people would ask me, well, can I send you my budget to look over and, you know, things like that to kind of help them. And so it turned into more of the coaching side of it. And, you know, it's just grown from there. So what do you think is the biggest thing that holds people back from budgeting? 
it's their mindset. And that is what I have. It's taken me some time to kind of figure that out. Cause I'm like, okay, well, I've showed you the numbers. Like I'm telling you how great life can be once you get through it and you just have to do it. But then people still weren't doing it. They still weren't acting on it. And I found that, you know, they need to do it for themselves and get there for themselves and really change their mindset. So that's why I've started the money mindset podcast this year. Actually, I think we're in our third month. And so that's really what I focus on with my podcast is trying to change people's mindset around money and showing them that it is possible because they just need to hear it over and over. And, you know, reading something on my website and then hearing it and things like that is it's kind of different how people process information. So just trying to get people to believe that it's even possible and that it's worth doing. And so they may say, oh, well, I I wish I was debt free and I'll be debt free someday, but that's not good enough. Like you need to want to be debt free, not wish to be debt free. And you want to be debt free in a certain time frame. So you really need to focus it down more instead of just like a general, I wish to be debt free. Like you've really got to narrow it down and make your goals more specific so that you can get there. And so that's just kind of what I'm seeing people struggle with and what I'm trying to help people with now. That's awesome. Definitely have to have the SMART goals, right? I think it's specific. Yes, I love SMART goals. (laughs) Specific, measurable, achievable. Gosh, I don't remember the other. Relative, I think. I always forget. And and, uh, realistic and then timely. Yeah, I always forget what R is. But (laughs) (laughs) the general concept is to be specific and measurable and timely. (laughs) Right, absolutely. And I, yeah, that's definitely a a biggie. Now, so what would be your advice beyond what you've already shared to those who are struggling with that or just trying to make ends meet and they haven't really come around to the point where they're either ready to budget or know what that means or they're just kind of overwhelmed. So the one thing that I tell people to do is to start with just one thing. So like focus on the smaller goal. So like this week, this is what I'm going to do. And it can be, I'm just going to total up my debt, you know, People like me don't even know what they're, how much they actually owe. So, you know, just start with one thing that moves you in the right direction. Don't think about the big picture. Oh my gosh, I owe $45,000. I'm never going to be able to pay this off. Just start with one small thing in the right direction. So it could be, you know, making a goal this week to just do your budget, just write it down and figure out that part of it. You know, and that's the only thing you have to worry about this week. Or even you can break it down into one day, like one thing that I can do today. And then just kind of build upon it because as you go, you will just gain momentum and you will go faster and faster. But don't feel overwhelmed and think that you have to do everything all at once. You don't have to jump straight into the debt snowball and cash envelopes and meal planning and like all the things all at once. Like that's just overwhelming. Do one thing at a time. Just focus on one thing this week, then one thing this month, and then, you know, set a a goal for two months and then three months and so on. And you will just build momentum. And then once you start to see the progress, you'll be like, oh my gosh, how can I do this faster and faster? And that's where the progress just gets going. So don't get overwhelmed and think you're not making any progress or that it's just too much to do. Just do one thing at a time. Definitely the baby step mentality, right? Mm-hmm. Now, shame is often a big factor in people making changes or not making changes, especially as it relates to money. What would you say to them? Oh my gosh. I see this a lot because people always think that everybody else knows and they don't that they just are stupid or just nobody is like perfect with their money. And we've all made mistakes. 
I still make mistakes. And, you know, just know that you're not alone. Like we're all struggling with usually like the same things are pretty close to it. You know, there's like 7 billion people on the planet. Somebody else is going through the same thing that you are. And we all make mistakes. Nobody is perfect with money. And, you know, it just takes knowing. You don't know what you don't know until you know it or something like that. And so, you know, now you know, and you can start taking the steps to make the changes that you need to, but don't feel bad that you made, you know, a big mistake with your money. I've made lots of mistakes with my money and I'm sure I still will in the future, even though, you know, I know a lot about how to do things, I'm still going to make mistakes. And I do still make mistakes at time. You know, there was like two or three months in a row, I paid bills twice, like different bills. And I'm like, what is wrong with me? <laughs> like I had these things set up on auto pay and I got out of my habit. For some reason, I manually paid it and thought that I canceled the auto pay and did it. And I did it like three months in a row with different bills. It's ridiculous. Like, so we all, <laughs> we all make mistakes. You know, you just have to plan for it to fail, you know, make your budget, but give yourself some slack and give yourself some grace when things will come up and that screws up your budget or screws up your plan because it will happen. That's just life. Like things are going to come up, but you have a plan. And so that plan can help lower your stress level just by having the plan. Like, you know, okay, well, if this happens, this is what I can do. This is how much money I really have. And, you know, when things come up, then you know that you can move things around or, you know, you just don't pay your debt snowball this month or whatever the case may be. But, you know, just try and get through that and know that you're not alone. So how long ago did you pay off your debt? Oh, gosh. So it was October of 2016. Wow. So it's been more than three years now. Oh my gosh, it has. This last two years, because, you know, I got pregnant with my third kid shortly after that, like that next January. And so it's just like been a blur. I can't believe it's been that long already. (laughs) Wow. So congratulations on three years, because I assume that you're still debt free. Is that correct? I am. Yes. Awesome. So how do you do that? Because it's one thing to go through the steps and the sweat, blood, tears to get out of debt, but staying out of them is also hard because you can easily just revert back and, you know, Mm -hmm. after you've been that intense on reaching that goal. So what's changed for you in the last three years and what has kept you moving forward and remaining debt-free? Well, the biggest thing was having savings. And so once we paid off our debt, we saved up three to six months of income. I think we were at six months, but you know, I was pregnant at that time. And since I had paid off my debt, I had options and I really struggled with going back to work after having my third child. Like it just... I was burnt out on my job, stressed out. And, you know, since we were debt free, I was able to, like, it gave me that option. I was able to quit my job, but money was tight going from, well, two kids to three and then going from two jobs to one. It was, it's, it still is tight as I've grown my business and stuff. It's given us a little bit more room in our budget, of course, but, you know, there for quite a while, it was really tight. So we changed our mindset and we just decided that we weren't going to do debt. Like we just weren't. Now, I can't say that, you know, something major happens with the house and we don't have enough savings or, you know, our vehicles or something like that, that, you know, it's never, ever going to happen. But we have decided that that is just what our family is going to be. And, you know, my, it's been, I think more of a struggle for my husband at times, because he really wants a new truck, but they're like $70,000 if you buy a brand new one for, you know, what he wants, of course. So it's like, uh, well, one, we literally couldn't afford it. So it doesn't matter because we can't afford it. But even if we could, it's like, 
I don't want to do that again. You know, we really were intense. And so I really think that the more intense you are and the more sacrifices you make to get debt free, the more likely you will be to stay out of debt. Because I've talked to so many people that, you know, they say they paid off all their debt, but now they're in even more debt. Mm -hmm. But what I've come to find out is when they say they paid off debt, they really didn't pay off debt. They moved it. And most of the time they did a home equity loan. And so now not only do they have all this new debt because they really didn't sacrifice and make the really long-term changes to their mindset and like building new habits. Now they have all that old debt in their home Mm -hmm. and all this new debt. And so I've seen that multiple, multiple times. And so I really feel like you have to struggle through it a little bit and sacrifice. You can't just move things around and think that you paid off debt because you didn't, you just moved it. And so I think that that really helped us was actually paying it off and making those sacrifices and saying, no, cause I don't want to do it again. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, just, I don't <laughs> want to do it again. Not even for, you know, a new car. Like we don't have a bunch saved up in our vehicle fund. So like say heaven forbid we get in a wreck and our cars totaled, you know, and insurance, you know, who knows how much that'll be like, ugh, we would just get a cheaper car. Like, cause I, don't want $70,000 in debt for a new drug. Like that's just not going to happen. So I think really taking the time to build new habits and changing your mindset along the way is what keeps you out of debt. Definitely. Yeah. When you have skin in the game, it just changes your mindset about (laughs) things, Mm -hmm. how you want to handle things going forward. That's for sure. Exactly. So do you have any unique tips that you have found for saving money? Hmm, unique. See, I am not an extreme couponer or, you know, cheapskate. Like I will save money if it's easy for me, but like if it's convenient and it saves me time, I'll spend a little extra money. That's just how I am for the most part. Like, so I'm not like doing anything like majorly extreme. My biggest thing is meal planning and shopping with a calculator. Like that is huge. You know, if you're doing the cash envelope system or, you know, really sticking to your budget for food, and you don't have like a backup, oh, I can just swipe a card. You need to use a calculator because if you are just trying to guess how much you've spent, you'll be way off. And so, you know, that's the biggest thing for me was using a calculator while I shop. And I'll tell you, I mean, I still do it. Like once you realize I'm pretty close to that limit, I'll (laughs) I'll put stuff in the shop. You know, when I'm putting stuff on the belt, I'll just put it on the shelves. Like, okay, I don't really need this. This is more, you know, this is a want. And so, you know, I still do that. But that's the biggest thing I think for saving money is meal planning, you know, making your list with your meal plan and then using a calculator while you shop. Yeah, that's great advice. And I've found what works for me is we just started using the Walmart grocery pickup, which Mm, we love because we don't have to go into the store. But not only that, but when you're shopping online and everything's going into your cart, you can see exactly how much you're spending before you check out. So it's easy to just pull something out of your, you know, virtual shopping Uh cart to hit your goal. So that's that's absolutely. I love that, especially with three kids. Like that was a lifesaver when I was pregnant (laughs) with my third one. Like I literally couldn't shop through the store. Like it just was, I couldn't walk that much. Yeah, Not only that, (laughs) but your other little kids are wanting everything in the store, you know? Yes. So yeah, grocery pickup is awesome. (laughs) Now you've got a ton of helpful downloads and tip sheets on your website. First of all, what are your most popular ones and how can people get a hold of them? 
One of my most popular one is a debt bundle. So it's a spreadsheet and a checklist and a worksheet to get started on your debt snowball. Now you don't have to use every single one. Like some people like the spreadsheet, some people like the worksheet, but you can get that at budgetsmadeeasy.com slash debt dash bundle. And it's free. And so that's just kind of like the start to get you started with paying off on the debt snowball. And then of course, I've got lots of other ones, but they're all different website links. So I don't have like a main hub for everything quite yet. But if you sign up for like the debt snowball bundle, you will get a link in your email to get access to everything. It's in a Google Drive. So you'll get access to them all. You don't have to sign up for everything. But I've got, you know, a budget worksheet and a beginner's guide and savings tracker, all kinds of different stuff. That's awesome. Awesome for the DIYers, especially because, you know, when it comes down to it, budgeting is just math. Mm -hmm. But there's so many people who need a little bit more than that. So what is the value you add as a financial coach beyond just doing the math of budgeting? Well, it's really a support system and accountability. You know, a lot of people need that cheerleader in their corner. And that's what I do for people. And just having somebody say that they're not alone. Like I've heard that a lot with my clients is like, I thought I was the only one struggling with this and you're not. And, you know, and just having somebody there to say, you're not the only one and it's okay. It will get better. And then giving them other suggestions on ways they can save money or ways that they can do something a little bit better to help them reach their bigger goal because everybody does have, you know, a different goal. Some people may want to pay off debt as fast as possible like me and other people may, you know, need to save for something, you know, they're getting ready to move or have another baby or something like that. So everybody's goals are a little bit different. And so, you know, we can all give general advice for budgeting and saving money and paying off debt, but you know, people need like a kind of a tailored plan to them, you know, and to say, okay, this is what you could do or should do or can do or whatever to get where you want to go. And so sometimes, you know, they can read all this stuff on the internet, but they really just need somebody to say and look at their finances and what they want to do and say, okay, well, here's a good way for you to do that. You know, because as a coach, we're just giving advice and options. You know, we're not saying do this and or, you know, you're wrong or anything like that. It's it's really about just giving you different options and giving a different perspective um, and different ideas on how you can do something so that you can get to whatever your bigger goal is at the moment. And the fun part of that is, at least for me, watching people's faces light up because sometimes they're so overwhelmed. You know, if you do the math, the the numbers don't lie, but sometimes they're too overwhelmed to maybe figure out how to do the math or whatever. But when you show them this actually is possible and they get it and they go, wow, why didn't Mm -hmm. anybody show me this before? You know, that's that's just such a fabulous moment. Absolutely. And, you know, and telling people to run the numbers, you know, and that was something that I did a lot too, was using like a debt snowball calculator. Yeah. And so, you know, if you've got certain things in your budget that are really a want, but they're kind of a priority for you and your family. And I'll say, okay, well, what if you just got rid of this one thing? Like run the numbers, how much faster could you pay it off? You know, I was working with a lady the other day and she was able to go back through her spending, her tracking and everything like that. And she ended up finding like an extra $500 a month if she would just hmm. stop the mindless spending and the extra spending because she wanted to pay off three credit cards or two credit cards. It was $6,000. Her goal was to pay it off in five months. But with just her debt snowball, it wasn't quite going to be five months. It'd be like six or seven. 
So she went back through everything after we talked and I gave her suggestions and she was able to find an extra $500 a month, which put her at the five months. She was able to get those credit cards paid off in her five month goal. So, you know, that's what a coach does for you. They can motivate you, inspire you cheer you on as you go and give you ideas to how to reach whatever your goal is faster, you know? So that wasn't even her whole debt. That was just her smaller goal was that. And we were able to work through that and get her there. That is so exciting. So it's awesome. Yeah. What a great feeling for both sides, you know, great feeling for her to be able to reach her goal and a great feeling for you to be able to give her just that one nugget that would change her life. Mm -hmm. So how can people get a hold of you if they want to work with you? Well, I am on Facebook and Instagram and Pinterest, but my website is budgetsmadeeasy.com and my podcast is The Money Mindset Podcast. So however you're listening to this, you can find me there as well. But I'm really enjoying Instagram. So everything is at Budgets Made Easy. So you you can find me wherever at that social handle, but I really like Instagram right now. So that's where I, I am at the most. So budgetsmadeeasy.com. And of course, you can find Ashley Patrick on Instagram and also the Money Mindset Podcast. And we'll also provide links to all of those in the show notes for this episode. Ashley, thank you so much for being our guest professor today and sharing all this wonderful information with us. Thanks for having me. It was fun. A great big sensible thank you to our guest professor, Ashley Patrick, founder of BudgetsMadeEasy.com and host of the Money Mindset Podcast. You can visit her website at BudgetsMadeEasy.com. Ashley's story is so inspiring and she's got so many great ideas. I love how she focuses on the fact that being debt-free provides options. It's so true. Once again, if we control our money, we control our lives. Many of us have had to struggle through financial chaos before gaining that control. But what if we could provide a better way for our children? We can. Teaching them financial literacy at a young age is a great start. So on the next episode, we're going to chat with Richard Grant, author of Let's Meet Ms. Money, a great book that introduces young children to the concept and value of money. It's the perfect time since April is Financial Literacy Month. So join me for that interview on April 13th. In the meantime, visit the contact page at sensiblechat.com and get in touch with me if you need any help on budgeting or brainstorming ideas for gathering and using financial resources to get through this difficult time. I'm here to help and it won't cost anything but your time. You can do this, but it can be overwhelming and sometimes you need a helping hand, a different view, and some new ideas. But in the end, It's about math, making the numbers work. I can't tell you how much using simple math to budget my money helped relieve my financial stress. Fear of the unknown was paralyzing. Crunching the numbers and knowing what I had to work with was calming and empowering. It still is. It enabled me to get control of my finances so I could sleep at night during the bad times and prevail over my debt in the good times. All of it has brought me closer to living life on my terms, and it can do the same for you. There's a lot of emotion in money, especially right now. So try taking the emotion out of it and just do the math so you can live your life. If you need help, I'm here for you, so get in touch. Until then, remember, do the math, live the life. That does it for this episode of Sensible Chat with your host, Sensible Bobby. 
Links for all the resources mentioned can be found in the show notes for this episode at sensiblechat.com. That's sensible with a C. While you're there, find your favorite app to be sure and never miss a show. On social media, look for us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you need help with your budget or want to share your thoughts, reach out to Sensible Bobby through the contact page at sensiblechat.com. That's sensible with a C. 